Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, I have Mark with me. How's it going, Mark? Hey, going good? I'm getting really good at these introductions, I must say. Uh, this is actually part two of our Travel Hacks podcast. We released the first one, actually, at the time at which we're recording it. We released that one at the beginning of the week. It went pretty well. There are a bunch of people from like Instabridge, and there's like Shane from Strive Teams and so on that sent me messages about it, that liked it a lot. So we are going to bring on part two, which is more going to be about like gadgets and handling problems, etc. Right, Mark? Yeah. So in the first episode, we mostly covered travel and accommodation. And this part is going to more focus on, you know, once you got the basics out of the way, let's, let's get into some of the more specific nitty gritty stuff. Cool. So let's just start about like legal stuff of going into foreign countries, visas, passports, etc. Yeah, so I guess we should probably put this in the first one, but it's it's quite a sizable topic, so I want to want to make sure I cover it properly here. Yeah, foreign countries, there's a, a whole bunch of things you need to consider. It's not always as simple as just buying a flight and going. You need obviously a passport to go there, at least in you know depending on where you're from. Most of the time, you'll need a passport to go to most foreign countries. There's a few exceptions, but one thing which you a lot of people don't actually realize is you actually need to have in most places, six months yeah. validity on your passport. So by the end of your stay. So let's say your passport expires in six and a half months and you're going to Thailand for one month, then technically they shouldn't let you in because when you leave, you'll only have five and a half months on your passport until it expires. So yeah, you can run into problems. And I know people who have who have ran into problems with this in the past. It's not always the case. For example, if you're a European Union citizen, you don't need uh, six months validity to go to another EU country. But in, in general, if you're going somewhere where they stamp, we're going to stamp your passport, that you need six months validity. So make sure to renew it early. And I think there's a big thing in the US right now about they're asking people to put their passports in early because there's a big backlog. And yeah, can remember- you do that? Can you just come in and say, I want to renew it even though it's not expired? Yes, in most cases. And again, it, it depends on the country. Like I have a British passport and a couple of years ago when I was renewing it, there was a huge issue with that. Uh, it was taking a very long time to get them renewed. And I live in Budapest in Hungary. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to the embassy and get another one. But they actually have to send it back to the UK. And so technically I'm here without a passport and that means I can't really travel around. And There's all sorts of issues. So yeah, go get that renewed early. Another thing is when you're actually going into a country and the sort of immigration officers checking, you know, your passport's valid, you got all the right visas and, and whatnot. Sometimes you're required to have an onward travel document often printed out. So that might be, in many cases, your return flight. But if you're not on a return flight, they want to know, you know, like, oh, how are you getting home or when are you leaving? And sometimes I've actually traveled to, to places like Thailand without that. And they, they haven't asked me. They, they very rarely do, but sometimes they do. And sometimes you actually have to... I've heard of people on the spot buying cheap flights that they're never planning on taking just so they have that to show them. You need to have a good story, at least. Like You need to have a good way to justify yourself on how you're going to leave the country, I would say. 
Yeah. Because they're pretty insisting in some countries. Like, uh, I actually remember traveling with you. I don't remember which country it was, but like, they were like, how are you paying for your flights and what, what do you do for a living and asking all these questions. And uh, isn't that like, it's like, especially when you have like a bit of an unusual lifestyle, like, do you, is that to say the truth or should you just, just lie and say I'm going for my job? No, it's always, it's usually best to say the truth in these situations. Most immigration officers, they ask you a series of questions and then they, they end up repeating a lot of the questions. Mm. And it's really just to catch you out. They're looking for people who have made up stories. So I would never advise making okay. a story. Even if you're doing something really unusual like traveling and working yeah. and, and all that, like they've probably heard it before. And in most cases, they don't actually care. They just want to make sure you know, you're not smuggling drugs or some shit like that. Okay, which so, you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, don't do that. <laughs> this is uh, the best tip of the podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, so another thing you might actually be required to have is proof of funds. So, and this can be a problem. Like, how many times do you travel around with a, your bank statement and your in your back? Like, very rarely. And you arrive somewhere new. There might not be Wi-Fi at the airport. You might not be able to get online. It, it can be a bit of an issue. And there are some countries that technically do insist on it. And it can be a problem. So just be aware of these kind of things. And this is particularly true if you're going somewhere for like maybe six months or three months or something or not really your, your two-week vacation. But yeah. Another thing is vaccine certifications. So there are a lot of countries which require you to have certain vaccines. Usually the, uh, yellow fever is the big one, but there are, there are others as well. So just make sure that when you get that, make sure that you get that before you go. And make sure you take the certification card with you because you may be asked to produce it. If not, then you end up getting the vaccines again, which I think is unnecessary. I I don't think it's that dangerous or anything, but you can just be stuck in the airport for six or 12 hours or something. And no one wants that. And speaking of vaccines, uh, malaria can be an issue in some countries. So always check that before you go and be aware that there are actually different kinds of malaria in different countries, around, in different areas around the world. So if you're in, I don't know, Laos or Cambodia, and you're taking anti-malaria pills, then those same ones will not be effective in Haiti or Cuba or something. Yeah. I would say don't take them if you don't have to as well, because they're pretty heavy on your body. Yeah. I mean, again, it's up to you. I don't know anyone that's ever gotten malaria outside of Africa. But and you're fine in most places. If you're going to like most places in Thailand and, and that, you're fine. But just be careful. Just be careful on that and check before you go. And actually, most of the time, it's much, much, much cheaper to buy malaria medication when you arrive rather than in your home country. Mm. So bear that in mind as well. And but always buy travel insurance and medical insurance for your trip that's going to cover you. This is, in most cases, it's really easy to buy it. You could, it takes five minutes. You can do it online. Yeah. There are many sort of aggregator sites that will find the cheapest option for you, and you can just print out your policy there and then, and you're good. Check what you're covered for. In most cases, they'll only cover like $1,000 of baggage. So if you have some expensive stuff in your bag and it gets lost, you're, you're screwed. The main things are medical and legal expenses, and they, most of them have like, cover you for like a million dollars. Yeah, 100K on a million, yeah. It's pretty nice. So it's very rare that those things happen, but I think most people probably know someone that's had had an issue abroad at some point in their life. I I certainly do. Don't you have some insurance with your credit card as well? I mean, like... 
Yeah, a lot of credit cards will provide that, but just be careful because some of them will only offer it when you actually pay for the trip on that card. Mm. So if you're using air miles or something, you're out of luck. Okay. So yeah, just don't neglect that because it can really ruin your trip and set you into a lot of debt if you don't have it. And it's not expensive either. And the, the last thing is before you go, call your bank and tell them that you're going somewhere. If your bank suddenly sees a bunch of ATM withdrawals in, I don't know, Hong Kong or Kiev tomorrow, then they're going to be like, whoa, what's going on here? And probably block it after one time. So, and it's just a hassle to call them up and get them to unblock it. And you might be stuck with that money and that stuff. So before you go, get them to unblock it. If you're traveling a lot, they'll often be able to unblock it worldwide for a year at a time. So you only have to call them once a year. That's what I did, actually. Good. It's just like I got mad after the third time it happened to me. And they just unblocked it. And now it's okay. Like, what you need to be careful of is, like, monitoring your expenses. So, Because that can happen. Someone could actually, you know, steal your number and use it somewhere else in the world. But I highly recommend, like, for us, I use SMS notifications. Yeah. So you see, like, you're spending in real time. And then you can just unblock your card. And you still have some pretty decent security while not having to deal with that all the time because that is pretty annoying. Yeah. This might come as a bit of a surprise to anyone who lives in the US, but outside of the US, it's very rare to actually give your credit card to someone else. Yeah. In the US, like you go to a bar, you put your card behind the bar and they just swipe it on the tab and <laughs> you know, you, they, they take it away behind the to the back room to charge it if you're in a restaurant, all this. In most places in the world now, they'll bring a terminal to your table and you can like literally put it in or, or tap it if it's contactless and enter your PIN number. And that's it. So it's very, much harder to steal cards that way now. So just hang on to it and be a little bit careful. Uh, yeah, that's something that shocked me when I went to the US. Like they just take your card and swipe it. Like anyone could have your card and nobody cares. Yeah. And no one checks the signature. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, well, the cultural differences, you know. Yeah. If your card does get stolen abroad, normally they have free phone or you can even reverse charge call to your bank and they'll, they'll cancel it right away. And in most cases, you'll get back all the money you, you, that was stolen from you. They're insured against this stuff. So don't worry too much if it does happen to you. It can be just be a hassle and like leave you without money. So always have like backup card that you keep in your a suitcase or in the hotel safe or whatever or you know, have some way to get access to additional funds quickly. Okay, and this is sort of like nice because leading into the problem section. I really haven't had that many problems, and I've been to some very unusual places. What's North the weirdest place Korea. you've been to? I mean, I know which one, but... Well, <laughs> North Korea, Cuba, and Haiti were all quite strange. I, I felt the most unsafe in Haiti, by far. Okay, um, more than North Korea. Oh, much more, yeah. <laughs> okay. I felt more unsafe in London than North Korea, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. In terms of problems, the one really useful thing to remember is that in different countries, the emergency services number on the phone is different. So like in the UK, it's 999. In the US, it's 911. But the thing is, it doesn't matter whichever country you are in the world, they all have a, a secondary number, and that's 112. So if you dial 112 in any country, it will you'll get emergency services. I actually have no idea about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the emergency number here. So. Well, just dial 112 and you'll Good get Good to know. <laughs> Learn something new every day. This might sound obvious, but I mean, 
most of the bad things that happen to you when you're away are very small scale things like you'll get ripped off by a taxi driver or some kind of like scam. It's very rare that there's any kind of like physical violence or anything like that. So much more likely to get shot or stabbed in the US or the UK than you are on vacation. It's just a fact. That says a lot. Yeah. Keep your wallet in your front pocket, though. I don't know why some people do this, but I guess some guys put their wallet in their back pocket. But it's just like it's 20 times easier to steal there. So don't do that, especially like if you're in Spain, because there's so many pickpockets there for some reason. I guess that's where they, they all go to train or something. Yeah, I don't know. pickpockets cool. Yeah. In Barcelona. Really bad there in Barcelona, especially, yeah. In general, if you don't feel comfortable in a situation, just leave. And, you know, you don't need to sort of like get into a sort of aggressive situation or a fight or anything like that. I mean, if someone's, if you feel intimidated and you feel this is not a good situation, the taxi driver is taking you somewhere you shouldn't be, or you met some guy in a bar and you're like taking you to some other dodgy part of town this kind of stuff just leave just yeah, get say nothing and leave, yeah. i mean even in like say. very weird situations actually it happened to us as my uh, girlfriend in vietnam it's like we were riding in hanoi at like 5 a.m like and you know it wasn't the winters so it was like night for a while still in vietnam and then we walk around the street and some like they do in vietnam they try to see tourists and some girls start following us and start trying to sell us some trip or something but the weird thing is there's like three motorbikes following us as she's towing to us. And then like 30 seconds later, we discover her with the hand in my girlfriend's backpack. And that could end up really bad. I mean, I don't know if these guys would be like dangerous or something. But we essentially had three motorbikes with three guys in it and plus that girl trying to steal our stuff. And the truth is the girl's like half my side. I could have taken her and thrown her on the floor, whatever. It started like whatever. But actually just turning away and like show, like pointing at her and be like, I know what you're doing. Like, if you do that again, we're going to be walking in the next police station and you guys are free to follow us. And then just, just like essentially just leaving. It didn't escalate, but like it's the kind of situation where it's actually pretty dodgy. But if you just actually don't escalate things and just kind of talk slowly and calmly, like point out at people what they're doing and essentially leave, it's like very... Most of the time, they just let you because it's more trouble for them than it's worse, you know? Yeah, I mean, most crimes are sort of of opportunity. And they're that kind of like stealing a purse or stealing a wallet, that that kind of stuff. The only times when it, it tends to get violent is when you escalate it. And then all the locals band together and do something bad. <laughs> and then you get in trouble for it. So just be careful not to... I mean, there's no need to escalate a situation like that. It does happen in, in places, but just walk away. You'll be much better off for it. Yeah, there's no... You're not a superhero and you won't change things, you know, whether like you start fighting or not tomorrow. And they'll probably be out doing the same thing, you know? Especially in foreign countries as well, where police are... I'm not saying they're like not corrupt in... Western countries, because quite clearly they are in some cases, but the the police in foreign countries can will almost always side with in favor of the the locals, and in many cases they won't speak English, and you'll just you can get into trouble for something which was essentially 
not your fault just because you escalated stuff. So walk away. I guess that's a British thing I'm saying, but like, don't be afraid to apologize for something that's <laughs> not your fault. It's a Canadian so thing. Like, so like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in your scam. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, sounds. Pretend to be an idiot. I think pretending to be an idiot and walking away works really well. You know, it's like you, you can clearly see that they're trying to like, you know, have you, etc. But trying, rather than trying to, to play smarter and to show you're smarter, just play the idiot and just say, no, no, we have another tool planned up or something. Yeah, and, and just don't don't waste your time with it either. Yeah. You know, just, just get on with it. But as I said, these things happen very rarely. And I've encountered many more problems especially like physical problems back in the UK than I have uh, abroad. So, you know, don't worry about it too much. I think it's more for like Asian people traveling to the UK that trade these tips. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, the same thing applies though. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's move on then. Let's talk about gadgets and stuff. This is one of my, my favorite areas, actually. My main tip here is like travel light. And it sounds simple, but, you know, you can... In most cases, in almost all cases, you can buy whatever you need when you're there. And it, it really doesn't matter wh- where you are, you can sort this. If you need to buy a micro SD card in Pyongyang, North Korea, you can do that. Anything. Too bad they took your camera when you entered the country, right? No, they, they didn't. They <laughs> took my phone, but they don't do that anymore. Okay. But just think, like, don't overpack. It's the worst thing you can do, like lugging around a heavy bag with full of half of, full of stuff that you never use. You can always buy stuff you're there. You can definitely always buy clothes when you're there. So if you need a new pair of swimming shorts or a t-shirt or something, like you can get those so easily in most places. I remember uh, in December, I went to uh, Kiev in Ukraine, and I actually didn't bring any pairs of socks. I totally forgot. And I was like, oh, crap, where am I going to get some socks? And uh, I walked out of the apartment to the metro, and in the metro, underground metro, place there was like four stalls of people selling socks for like a euro each so i was like okay (laughs) problem problem solved i did that in mainland china as well so i had the most horrible fashion ever but yeah i could survive with a coat i went to beijing without a coat so in december so smart (laughs) it's really not a problem to to get extra stuff and especially toothbrush and toothpaste and all these things are available everywhere in the world so don't feel you need to pack for your your whole trip just pick stuff up when you're there One thing I always do, though, is I take an extra pair of earphones. So I don't actually have expensive earphones. I have an expensive headset, which I use for calls and stuff. But I generally just use like £10, $15 Creative or Sennheiser in-ear earphones. Sennheiser is really good, just recommended. And what I do is I always buy three or four pairs at a time. And then I just keep them in my drawer under my TV. And I always have an extra pair in my backpack, in my bag, whenever I, I go somewhere. Because they break or one of the ears stops working or the wires get, I don't know. And the, the easiest thing to lose and forget as well. Like I've, I, I've never actually lost any or oh never, never lost any, but it's just they always break because I, I use mine a lot. I listen to a lot of music. I lose like three pairs a year or something. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm horrible with this. Yeah, and again, you can always buy these wherever you are normally, but it's just, I like to just be able to pick up another pair and, and go. So I always, and they don't take up much room. So I always take an extra pair of earphones. In terms of like uh, toiletries and that sort of stuff, there's a lot of issues. If you're taking carry on luggage, you can only take 100 milliliters of liquid now. 
mm-hmm. thanks to the shoe bomber dude, which is, is a very strange rule, but I guess I can kind of understand it. So, in fact, it just reminds me, it reminds me, there's this joke this Scottish comedian did where he was trying to go on a plane, but he had a half full, like 125 milliliter bottle of perfume or aftershave or whatever, but it, it was half full, so it was less liquid, but because the container was that big, he couldn't take it on. So, in front of the security guard, he sprayed the whole bottle <laughs> on him. <laughs> and then he was allowed to go on and he was like well it's ironic because now I'm like the most flammable thing on the yeah, planet yeah exactly <laughs> anyway I like how we take look I think we're the only podcast that takes a second to just tell jokes in the middle you know <laughs> anyway <laughs> with liquids you can usually buy most like drugstores will sell these like 100 milliliter size bottles and you can just put stuff in there Ikea too actually Ikea sells like packs of 8 or 10 bottles for like nothing and I highly recommend you pick that up it's just before you go downstairs just before the restaurant they're all the same the Ikea stores so yeah that's what it is with all the luggage and stuff so these are really useful for you just take your big bottle of shampoo at home and just squirt a little bit in there for your your trip or whatever and then once you get to your destination, if you're there for a long time, you can pick up a larger bottle. Just because the travel size bottles are very expensive, cost per milliliter. It's not very efficient to, to do that. So I always recommend do that. And it lets you bring things on carry-on rather than have to check those in as well. Make sure your liquids are all in one bag and easily accessible. So, you know, don't put it at the bottom of your carry-on bag. So you have to like spend half an hour in the security queue. Yeah, transparent as well. Yeah. Get ready to bring those out and stick them in the separate tray when you're putting them through security. As I said, invest in a good headset. And I, I can't really emphasize this enough. You need to spend like $200 at least on buying a good headset with microphone. This is so you can talk to people and communicate on Skype, train your staff, communicate with your staff have meetings, have calls, all that stuff when you're away makes such a big difference, especially if you're on not the best internet connection. It makes such a big difference having a good headset. Yeah. So I definitely recommend that. One thing is like actually on the MacBooks, the microphone is not so bad. So you could actually get away with like earphones because there's like three microphones on them and they have like noise cancelling and all that stuff. So that is one of the advantages of having a Mac Mark. <laughs> I would still uh, recommend a guest. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It depends what you're doing. If you're doing podcasts and stuff, especially, yeah, you should. One cool little trick I found is that you can often charge stuff through the USB slot in a TV in your hotel room or, or room or Airbnb, wherever you're staying. In Airbnb, it's not a problem because there's normally loads of power sockets everywhere, but. I find often I go somewhere and I, like, there's not enough places to plug things in. So if you want to charge your phone, just does your TV not, normally has a USB slot and it works as a charger. So just remember that. And speaking of charging, bring an extension cord or a power strip, depending on which country you're from and how you, you phrase it. But basically, you plug it into one socket and then it creates three or five other sockets. And this will allow you to charge multiple things or work with other people at the same desk, this kind of stuff. I always do that, and it's a huge, huge saver. One thing I'm actually buying right now, which I haven't tried, it's actually it's going to be coming in my next Amazon order, but there is these specific chargers for when you travel. Like Basically, you plug it on one plug, and there's like four USBs, and in our case, like one USB-C. 
because we're getting new phones with USB-C, but it's essentially made to speed up charging and like use fast charging on all your devices. And it's actually called Anchor PowerPort. It's just like the thing. And on Amazon, it's like 23 pounds. So it's pretty cheap right now. And it, like, I haven't tried it, but from what I'm reading, like stuff charges like up to twice faster. So when you're traveling, especially when you're like on the go, you're going to your hotel room, you kind of need to plug your camera, you need to plug, uh, I don't know, your, your tablet, your phone, your Kindle, whatever it is, this actually looks like it's going to be a pretty sweet thing. And I might update on my usage when I have it, but this is one of my optimization for traveling. And you only use one port to plug like five things, you know. I'm always a bit dubious about these kind of things, but I'm curious to see how it works. So let me know. Yeah. What I actually use for that situation is a portable battery. So it's like a 10,000, I don't know what the... the like million power or something? Like. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's about three times, three or four times what the size of the battery in your phone. You charge it up by USB, and then it's just portable. You keep it in your bag, and you can charge your phone or your tablet or camera, whatever else, as you're on the go. It's You do get small ones that kind of are pocket size, or if you're a girl or you're with a girl, then put it in the bag there. It's not the most convenient thing to carry in your like short pocket of your shorts, though. Yeah. So I tend to sort of limit it. Like I use it a lot when I'm on a plane. So if I'm on a, a flight, I, I might be using my phone for stuff or the, during that day using my phone. And I like to arrive somewhere with full battery. So I charge it up on the, on the plane. Things like that is, is very useful for. So I'd highly, highly recommend getting, getting one of those. Using a tablet, an iPad or any kind of Android tablet, probably Windows tablets would work as well. You can use those as a second monitor, actually. Yeah. So I haven't done that. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, it's a tool called Duet, D-U-E-T. And it's an app you install on your tablet and then you plug it on your computer. And yeah, essentially just like, you know, you can use the cover to like put your tablet standing. I'm using an iPad and a MacBook Pro in my case. And and it just works perfectly. It's just like the second screen. So, for example, like in Authority Hacker Pro, I do a lot of like screen videos, but I use it to put my notes, for example. And I actually don't just use it for traveling. So, like here, like when I'm at home, I work on an iMac, and a standing tablet is exactly the size of from the bottom from top of my desk to the bottom of my screen. So I can actually put my iPad just under with my notes, and I can just do my videos with all my notes under, etc. So. Yeah, it's a cool productivity trick. If you want to have two screens while traveling and not add any book, like I use an iPad Air 2, so it's really, really slim and really small, but still a 10-inch screen plus like a 13-inch laptop. It's, it's great, actually. I like it a lot. And actually, you just use your power cable to link these two, so you don't need any more cable or any, anything else. It's just a piece of software to install and plug these things together, launch the app on the tablet, and you're good to go. So it's a pretty cool trick to be a little bit more productive when you're traveling and still pack light. Cool. And another productivity thing is bring a mouse. I know a lot of people, especially Mac users, for some reason, seem to use trackpads a lot more. Trackpad is really good on Mac. It's just but better. As a Windows fanboy, I you got to bring a mouse with you. I mean, the trackpads just don't really cut it. If you're okay, if you're going away for a weekend, it's not that big a deal. But if you're going away for any period of time, bring a mouse. I would recommend bringing just your normal desktop mouse with you if you're going for a long period of time. 
I do own like a travel size mouse. It's like a Logitech one. It's pretty cool actually. I've had it for about eight years. Just takes two AAA batteries. The, they last. I think I've only changed them two or three times in that, that whole time. And there's like, like a little USB receiver, which you can actually clip it into the bottom of the mouse. With it. You pull it out and then just stick it in your computer and it's, you have a wireless mouse. And Logitech, it's really, really good. It served me quite well. And I was absolutely fine doing a few weeks of work using that. So I'd recommend d- doing that. It's better for your wrist as well, I, I find. Depends. Um, I like it on, I like the trackpad on Mac, but uh, yeah, it depends. Final thing is for... With all this stuff, never put any good stuff or anything expensive in your checked luggage because stuff does go missing. Luggage gets lost, but also baggage handlers in many countries have been known to steal stuff. And it's almost impossible to get stuff back. You're almost never going to find it. So you don't put your laptop especially in your checked luggage. Don't put anything valuable, really. I remember actually when we were in Thailand last year and I got a suit and some shirts made up, like custom custom made. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the cheapest thing. It was very, very good quality and stuff. But I not know I much about them, suits, but yeah. I put them all in my checked luggage. And when I arrived back home in Budapest, my back wasn't there and they didn't know where it was. And I was like, oh my God, if they lost all of that, that's like... Just such a hassle because like I couldn't replace that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go there. It's just ah, uh, it would have been. I was stupid for not carrying that on with me. But yeah, don't put expensive stuff in check luggage. Just save it for your. Did clothes. you get it back in the end, or was it lost? Yeah, I got it. I got it back. Okay, it back. okay. It's like it happens. I know a lot of friends who travel, and it happens very frequently. Actually, it's it's a bit scary how unreliable baggage traveling is. Yeah, it's almost like you want to ship important stuff to like a well-known shipping company or something, you know. <laughs> if you really are worried about it going through, you know. Yeah. Okay. So the last sort of section I want to cover just briefly is around being social. What is that? And this is yeah. So this <laughs> is apparently there's this thing called like the outside world and um i heard it, about it it has very good ai and much better graphics than your computer i doubt it so yeah so basically when you go if you're going for a long period of time to work in the sun or or, or something especially if you're going on your own it can get quite lonely and so you really need to make an effort to go and be social and meet meet people and there's a whole host of ways you can do this now. I mean, thanks to modern technology, it's never been easier to, to do that. 12 years ago, when I, I first went to Thailand, I was 18 years old, on, went by myself, didn't know anyone there for, for the first few weeks. And it's just like, all right, go make some friends, basically. And you, you don't have much choice. And go to a shopping mall and um, talk to people? Or? No, no, no. Are <laughs> you usually, but like... Nowadays, there's there's many more ways to utilize technology to make this easier. So, first of all, most countries or most cities where there's a lot of sort of digital nomads communities will have Facebook groups or societies or groups or events where they all kind of meet up. I know there's one here almost every week in Budapest. 
where it's just basically foreign people meet up and have a few drinks. And it can be a good way to get to know people. In Thailand, there's certainly dozens of them in, in, in every place. And good ways to, to find these are through local co-working spaces. They tend to organize a lot of social events and social activities and can be a good place to sort of meet other like-minded people. Meetup.com is another good one. Tends to be sort of larger cities do do better with these, but they often have very specific, you know, technology meetups about specific types of programming language or online marketing or you know, all this kind of stuff. There's, there's meetups, even like a Bitcoin meetup, I think, in Budapest now. Uh, yeah. I've never been to it, but yeah, I mean, it can be a good way to to meet people. Couchsurfing is another one. I'm not saying you, you're probably not going to want to stay with someone for on couchsurfing if you're for six months you know? traveling. <laughs> but they actually couchsurfing has a lot of meetups, regular meetups in cities, and it's just mostly foreign people who live there, or even some locals as well who just want to meet people and be social, and it's a good way to meet people. The thing is, is you don't have to go there and just like, okay, I need to meet some of these people. Those people can then introduce you to other people, and it's just sort of like you can really grow your social network, really, your real-life social network very quickly just by making that sort of first step. So, yeah, like what I always did in that situation is just like be super honest. (laughs) Like I remember when I first moved to Budapest, I I literally didn't know a single person. And I was just – everyone I met, I was like, look, I'm new here. I don't really know anyone can you introduce me to some? <laughs> and it sounds. I'll give you weird. some money. It sounds sounds a bit weird. Like you may think that sounds a bit weird, but it was a friend of mine that actually told me like to to do this, and I was like, that's that's a bit strange. But then every single person I said that to was super nice, and I was like, oh, absolutely, and introduced me to loads of cool people, and I made friends with them, and it just that's how I know most people in Budapest from that and that's how most of my friends know each other and that's how you know most people in Budapest because yeah. I did that I did zero so, work on that when I came here so yeah yeah, yeah I mean I think it works the question is do they do that out of pity or just because they think it's okay you know I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I honestly, I didn't get the impression that people were like, "Oh, I feel sorry for you," because <laughs> it wasn't like, "Oh, I, I'm so sad." I don't know anyone. It was like a positive, <laughs> like a, a enthusiastic thing. You know? Yeah, fine. I was just like, "Yeah, I'm new here. Like, I'm traveling and, to different cities and doing all this cool stuff, and I just yeah. know nobody here." So, you know. And especially if you are working online and traveling and all, that's a pretty cool story, and people are always interested in that. And if there are other people doing the same thing as you, then most likely that you can, and if someone else knows them, then they're going to introduce you and it's a good way to build contacts. To help that, alcohol is always good. Um, So most of these sort of events and groups and stuff will revolve around having a few beers or something. If you don't drink alcohol, it's fine. Like I know people who don't do that and have traveled and made lots of friends and it's fine. But Honestly, it does help as like a, it's like a social lubricant almost. And there goes our clean rating on iTunes. Yeah. So yeah, drink some beers and get out there and meet people. And I gotta gotta mention it as well is Tinder. So it's like the Tinder didn't exist when I first moved here or you know anything like that. And everyone by this point knows what Tinder is. If you don't, it's like a location based kind of dating app where you swipe swipe right or swipe left if you'd like or dislike. It is a dating app, come on. It's even like yeah. a, a hookup app, you know? Yeah, basically. And 
but it can be a good way to to meet people if you really don't know anyone in in a place. There's always, of course, it's kind of like dating or hookup orientated. Uh-huh. That's that's fine too. You know, like you're you're, you're alive. Here's my question: When you're alive you, to do that, when you match with a girl on Tinder, do you say, "I know nobody can introduce me"? Is that your uh, bigger point? I've never used uh, it in that situation, <laughs> so I I can't say from experience. If you've used it to uh, generally meet people instead of hook up with people, then please write in and let us <laughs> we'll update this. I think this podcast is getting out of hand. And the final thing I actually wanted to say is the. If you're an Authority Hacker Pro member and you're going somewhere where there's a, a lot of like internet marketing people, post in the Authority Hacker Pro Facebook group, and you never know. You'll, you'll. I've seen a lot of people post that you know they're in the same city as someone else and and all that. So you can possibly use that to to meet people as well. Yeah, we need to actually organize some meetups at some point. But yeah, we have a lot of people all around. We have like I don't know, we have like Dane. I remember he's like in Hawaii. We have a lot of people in like London. We have. Actually, a bunch of French people. We have, I mean, yeah, pretty much everywhere you are, like, we have people. And they actually start meeting up and making plans together and stuff. So it's pretty cool. And the last thing is, if you are uh, in Budapest, then give us a shout. And, but, and you can give us a shout in your review on iTunes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't promise we'll be here or we'll be, have time to meet up, but we'll certainly try. Um, so Yeah, sure. Us. Contact form otherwise on the set works, but a reunion would be nice. Are we done with Zilda? Are we good? Yep, I think that's about everything. All so, right, so those are a lot of travel hacks. If you apply all of that, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, especially if you combine it with the other episode, which was episode I don't have it on hand, but you can actually just go on authorityhacker.com slash podcast and you'll find it there. So March, thanks for sharing all your tips. And guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening once again. And we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. Authority Hacker.